expert advice and data-driven insights that unlock your business's potential. APSA Insights, brought to you by APSA Corporate and Investment Banking. Uh, Shelly Weber, from your perspective, I mean, uh, as a bank, uh, bankers by nature uh, are conservative. They worry about the risks. Miners, by their nature, are people who like to go and dig holes in inaccessible places on the promise of a reward and into the future. How is this balance going to work out in an environment where to wonder suggests that we've got artificially inflated prices as a result of short-term supply constraints that invariably are going to come off um, as we see infection rates drop or as we see vaccines developed to fight COVID-19. What is your perspective on it? Thanks, Bruce. For me, we obviously have existing, you know, minds out there. And as Bevan and Ilya has both mentioned, you know, they're looking carefully at um, expansionary capex. Um, efficiency is more important now. Cash flow preservation is the order of the day. So what we are foreseeing and already starting at this point in time are more and more projects being looked at, not necessarily for developing now, but making sure that in the 12 to 18 months, the companies are ready to actually take advantage as soon as demand is picking up for those commodities as well. Like you've rightly mentioned at the beginning, we've seen copper keeping its own um, as well as iron ore. However, we've seen in the last week as well that iron ore is dropping um, in prices. And, and that's a that's a bit of a art phenomena because of what Tawanda has mentioned on the Chinese and the requirement for from the Chinese government, you know, for iron ore and, and steel, etc. I do think for our African continent, and we've seen it where we've got our APSA activities in many of the countries, that if there's no political stability and a regulatory environment that's very clear that investors will not necessarily go into those countries and help economic growth and surely growth for all our African countries are of the utmost importance. Talk to me about the regulatory environment in countries. I mean, South Africa controversially um, has had multiple attempts at regulatory regimes which have been disastrous under uh, Mosebenzi Zwane, who was briefly South Africa's mineral resources minister, came was impossible uh, to ever consider investing in South Africa again. Uh, we've had Gweta Mantashe as Minister of Mineral Resources for two years now, and still one gets the sense that there hasn't been sufficient progress in South Africa when it comes to uh, certainty around policy. Just how much certainty do we have first, uh, Shirley Weber, in South Africa versus other countries on the continent, perhaps taking this opportunity a bit more seriously? What we've seen um, over the last few years as well, and I think I've mentioned this a few times, I think there's a positive sentiment on South Africa. You know, the mining charter, as well as the petroleum charter, fuel charter, and everything, you know, regulation-wise that's coming out, I think is becoming more clearer. Um, I do think with some of the gas fines that we've seen um, on the Western Cape side um, that it's all positive. So um, from a from a bank point of view, I think we are definitely more positive about, you know, the certainty of regulations. I think in Africa, there's one or two precedents that's been um, set. 
um, you know, where government involvement, um, for example, is increasing up to a 50% level. And I do think as well, economic growth for the countries is one thing, um, but you need the investors to go in, obviously make sure that everyone's got fair and equitable shares of profit, etc. And that's why sanity needs to prevail when it comes to fiscal regimes, um, you know, royalty taxes, etc. And we've seen um, a few countries, for example, like Zambia, I think we, we, we're positive about that. We've seen um, countries like Tanzania, for example, you know, we, we, and we all know this, Barrick has struck a deal, uh, you know, with, with the government, um, you know, for um, owning 50% of their mines where there were issues in the past on, on tax uh, disputes, etc. So, I do think each and every country need to evaluate very carefully what they would like to achieve at the end of the day, because it could, uh, the, all the communities need to benefit as well. And it doesn't take anything away from sustainability because sustainability, and, and sorry, it's quite a big word, um, sustainability doesn't just mean carbon emissions. It means, you know, things for us like APSA, it should be zero hunger, it should be education, it should be, you know, carbon emissions. It, it, sustainability is quite a big word. And, and we would like to think that, um, you know, as part of our role into Africa, that we contribute to all of those as we look at certain projects and the way that we fund them and making sure that we are responsible in lending um, out to those various projects. Uh, I mean, is it easier to do business in South Africa as a mining company than it was five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago? Is South Africa boxing smarter than perhaps it has in the past? I think it was always possible to do business because we have essentially a constitution that that enforces and entrenches laws and, and, and the legal system that allow you to challenge um, what some people may have thought were not the correct applications of laws. So I think that's an important factor to consider. I think it was more the PR around how things were handled previously that um, meant there was lack of investment. And I think we also still suffering from some of the legacy issues where South Africa was dominated by large mining houses and we simply did not have the culture of junior mining companies coming in. And that culture is not just from a operational perspective where you do have, as you described, quite aggressive mining companies, very keen to start digging a hole wherever they, they think it's possible. And it also stems from the providers of capital and the providers of capital both being equity and debt side, where we have traditionally not seen the large funds um, and, and the banks come in and support the junior mining sector. That has changed. Um, and that certainly means that there are more entrepreneurial companies coming into the South African space and trying matters. We've seen success stories, um, let me blow our own trumpet, it's quite important. We have seen success stories on Chrome and Platinum, as Teresa has shown, we are a, a product of the new mining code, so we had to be fully empowered before we received licenses. Yes, there was a major shareholder providing capital, but we did receive very good support from the capital markets, particularly on the debt side to start building the mine where we created 2,000 new jobs. You've seen success stories on the manganese side, and you've seen success stories on the coal side where I guess the certainty of a supply contract from an ESCOM for particular BE companies has meant that new entrants were able to come into the market. So 
it's been a very uh, positive swing, and and I think we can build on this. There are opportunities all across um, the sector. You've seen opportunities um, coming up in in the copper space in South Africa that is being supported by the capital markets, um, and hopefully we can build on on that. So it has certainly changed, um, and I think importantly the tone both from the industry through the Minerals Council, the industry individually. And obviously from the government, they, they do want to see investment. Um, and we're certainly moving in the right steps on that side. But it's a little harder than it should be, right? Look, it's, it's, it's never easy. Not um, you know, I think way. that's, that's the, the important place. factor I mean, to consider. So um, but it's not, uh, not easy in any other places. Um, over the last week, if you yeah. followed what's going on in North America, a major project, great from an engineering point of view, great from various other scenarios. They're now hitting stumbling blocks on some of the social issues and that share price has collapsed of that company. So it's not easy. And that, to be quite frank, is one of the reasons why I remain bullish on commodity prices. As much as we are looking at projects um, as an industry and, and surely address those as an industry, as we move on, those projects we know will take longer to come to the market than uh, what any bullish scenario shows. So the underpin from a supply-demand fundamental in my view, remains very, very balanced um, for strong commodity prices. It's a good argument. Tawanda, I mean, when you look at the, the duration between discoveries of commodities, let's, for example, just take the Brill butter. I don't know when that discovery happened. It happened years ago. And just in the last couple of weeks, we've seen the deep sea scavenger make its way around Cape Town and it's going to go and find itself into the middle of the um, South Indian Ocean. And then that's when the real work begins. I mean, this is from conception to actualization. I mean, these things take years of planning, of fortitude of hard work of funding uh, and somehow we don't seem to grasp the nettle on these things we don't seem to grasp the sense of urgency when it comes to getting new projects on stream do we no you're right bruce from a timing perspective these things really do take time i mean just by way of example i mean you know um, for some of the platinum mines just to actually start um, getting to profitability just given you know how deep they generally are i mean that that can take you a period of about um, seven years. So, I mean, in, in that seven-year period, you pretty much need um, a whole lot of commitment, um, you know, from a capital perspective. Um, you, you need support from, I think, a whole myriad of factors. So, you know, like you talk about what is government support, um, you know, uh, from a regulatory perspective, um, you know, in, in, that envi- in, in that environment. And you really are looking at how do you incentivize people to to slug it out for that seven year period and some of those breaks come you know from you know tax breaks um, which you can maybe roll over and then claim once you start mining well it takes a huge and long time and a huge commitment surely i saw your head almost nodding off its shoulders as a moment ago as i was talking about um the the the, the amount of time that it takes to get projects to market. I mean, do you get a sense that there is an acceptance amongst the regulators that this is not a, a 2020 cricket game or a, a, even a 50 over one day test? Uh, this is a proper Ashes series over 100 years game, perhaps. Look, Bruce, you know, for, for any new development, uh, exploration obviously is over and done with, for example, with Brulpada, there will always be, you know, um, new fields around it, you know, that can form part, you know, of that discovery. But the reality is um, we should realize that it's on the Western Cape side, 
um, you know, the, the weather, you know, the seas, the, the depth, everything plays a very big role in, you know, how companies can progress, you know, to, to make it um, quicker. If I look at, for example, in Ghana, when we funded Jubilee, um, the Jubilee field, for example, you know, from discovery to first production was five years, and that was extremely quick. So when we um, dealt with clients like Cosmos, for example, there, that was very, that's obviously very big on the, on the Jubilee side, you know, five years was a such a dramatic um, achievement, you know, for, for the wider um, oil and gas community. So it does take a while for those things to be um, fully developed. Bevan Jones, tell me about risk appetite for Africa projects across our continent, because this continent is rich in so many resources. And you mentioned some of the really uh, rare minerals that are in under African soil that are imminently exploitable in this environment where the Paris Climate Change Accord demands that we are smarter about the way in which we develop our products into the future, the way we consume, the way we develop. Uh, but this African continent is magnificently endowed with mineral resources. But just what is the appetite? I mean, what is the, the, the risk appetite right now for African projects? We are, we are still well endowed and we, and we have a very wide range of um, resources still available to us. Unfortunately, I think Africa still gets hit by this risk on, risk off sort of sheep mentality that most investors have out there. But, but of course, you have your traders who are all over Africa with boots on the ground looking for these opportunities. Um, and, and they, they, they tend to be very bullish and, and, and risk, um, pro risk. China, of course, is, has always been, uh, prowling through Africa and, and is looking to secure its resources that it doesn't have at home. Um, so I think, I think the risk mentality is still there. But earlier, to your earlier point in terms of government, they, they are not really helping. I mean, the, the regulation is still muddled. We don't have a great, um, cadastral, uh, system in terms of, uh, mapping and in terms of licensing. Uh, whereas other African countries like Botswana and Tanzania, they've put it all online and, and you can go and search for who's got what mining rights and permits, et cetera. So it's a, it's a lot easier in many other places. Botswana, Namibia are looking at signing a five gigawatt, um, renewables project between themselves and, and then possibly exporting that power into South Africa. So in many ways, South Africa is getting left behind, even though that the risk appetite is, is there. So, so we really do need to try and make it easier for in, investors um, to come in, to come on board. Uh, Tawanda, talk to me about macroeconomics. Talk to me about the sort of hardship that economies like the oil-dependent economies of Nigeria, for example, Angola face. And um, we've even seen ShopRite announce that it will withdraw from Nigeria. I mean, it, it just feels like so many of these building blocks that have been put in place for so long in anticipation of this boom that will come one day are beginning to unravel a little bit and, and come off a lot based on the, the boom and bust cycles of commodities. In this case, the negative impact of oil, which is so critical in so economies in this continent. Yeah, I, th I think the impact has been quite severe. Um, you know, when you, when you look at countries like Nigeria, Angola, um, which are really dependent on, on, on oil, I mean, just given the current drop in oil prices, I think most of them are facing real uphill challenges in terms of they need a certain oil price in order to, to, to balance out their budget. 
um, which I think currently neither Angola nor, nor Nigeria, um, being the two largest oil producers in this country, aren't able to balance their budget. Um, you know, I think the consequential effect of that really is about them having to seek, you know, alternative funding. I think, um, like us um, here recently in South Africa, um, you know, they'll be leaning more and more towards um, IMF funding. And, you know, that also has its own consequential impacts um, in terms of, you know, there's a, a push-pull in terms of what IMF ideally would be advising you what to do and what you as a government from a social perspective would want to do um, in order to restructure your economy, maybe to be less dependent on on, on, uh, on oil. You know, you, you look at places as well. You know, I think some of the projects now, this current oil price, um, aren't going to be um, or, or are no longer in the top tier of priorities for some of the for some of the majors. So you look at you know some of the countries in East Africa which were expecting um, you know to, to to be getting all this new investment coming into the country in order to help out from a social social development perspective. That event is pretty much being deferred out a couple of years. So, so I think um, yeah the the consequences aren't great. But I suppose it's your view in terms of when you think we, let's say, we'll get out of this oil glut, which really is, I think, at this current moment, I think the big word for for us is really around COVID and how long are we going to be in this COVID environment or what is going to be the new normal in terms of uh, to reset some of these things. Expert advice and data-driven insights that unlock your business's potential. APSA Insights. Brought to you by APSA Corporate and Investment Banking. For more, visit absainsights.co.za.